Hello, and welcome to the eTech Podcast with me, your host, Ryan Morn. I have been involved in the development of electrified vehicles and machines since 2005 as an engineer and a business leader. This podcast is the product of my passion for electric and autonomous vehicle technology. I'm here to share knowledge from some of the world's leading experts, as well as my own insights. Join me as we accelerate the transition to cleaner, safer and smarter vehicles and grow the industry around the world. For today's episode, I'm joined by Stefan Permian from Universal in Germany. Uh, Stefan's got a really interesting story, and and Universal is a new company, but with a very, very interesting history and some really bright prospects. So, Stefan, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you, Ryan. So, thank you for being here. Is it uh, is it possible, Stefan, just for you to give us a, a quick introduction and tell us about um, your personal background and how you how you got to be doing what you're doing now? Yes, of course. So, um, yeah, my name is Stefan Pamin. So um, I started uh, more than eight years ago um, to develop my love to the lithium-ion batteries. I would so call it. It was, um, uh, I started chemistry, so this is where, where it all begins. Um, I started uh, then um, getting in touch with, uh, with lithium-ion battery technology during my diploma thesis. And um, after that, I, I was totally focused because I thought, okay, this is a technology that can bring the future to a whole new level. And saving energy and um, getting it uh, whenever somebody needs energy. I think this is a, a great thing. And so I did my PhD thesis in this area. And then uh, after my PhD, I started in a startup yeah. uh, called Custom Cells Itzeho. And there I was a CTO for more than three years. And uh, after my time there, uh, I started my own company universal and this is where we are today here now ah and one thing that's interesting for me we speak to a lot of people um on the podcast but mostly they are um engineers um not often we get a, a proper battery chemistry guy on the on the shows so would it be possible then just to tell us a bit more about what you're doing at universal what the um what the business is about yeah, of course. So um, it all, all started more or less in, um, I was totally in the market. And uh, in the market, I saw two developments. On the one hand, there are the big uh, lithium-ion uh, battery producers, which are totally driven or uh, driven now, um, to be honest, by the automotive industry. Yeah. And the automotive industry, of course, it's it's the largest piece of the cake uh, in the future. So they are focused on that. But um, there are a lot of other markets. And these markets, this is the focus of Universal. Because these markets, of course, are smaller than the automotive industry. Yeah. But um, they are also very interesting for... For instance, uh, medicine technique um, and also stationary uh, storage capacity for uh, renewable energies. Okay. All these markets are very interesting and they need other 
uh, types of batteries in our opinion okay. because for example if you have stationary energy you need much more cycle life uh, compared to other industries like automotive right and and when you say just um, so medical what what kind of things are you meaning in medical things that go inside people's bodies or more like uh, equipment that they would use in hospitals and such like yeah, it's both. So oh, wow. on the one hand, you have now medical applications where you have machines and normally you, you are lying in the bed at the hospital yeah. and they they have a, a guy that uh, drops you uh, with the bed together yeah. to the machine. Yeah. But in the future, there will be uh, machines that are coming to your bed and you, you can stay there where you are. Yeah. So this is one type of medicine application. But on the other side, you're totally right. So we are together with the customer that is implanting um, cells and batteries into bodies. So in the end of the day, it's in your body. Yeah. And uh, therefore, it's very good if you have a safe battery yeah. and not something that, that burns in the worst case or, or you have a problem with, with the uh, electric power of these batteries. So. Yeah, quality is is much more important than uh, high energy, for instance. Oh wow! So and and just to so you've you've set up a a battery manufacturing company, and that's I mean that's a pretty that's a huge thing to do, you know, in terms of a start of business. It's not 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 an unambitious thing to be doing. So, what what made you think about um, about that? Because you are actually, uh, I know when we when we spoke uh, a couple of weeks ago, you were setting up production lines and things. So you're like proper making stuff, right? Uh, yes, exactly. So of course, it's it's a, a tough uh, decision to start yeah. uh, start a, a startup in the battery industry. Um, but um, just from my background, so so I was in the past, I was a sportsman, uh, mm. professional kitesurfing guy, oh, wow, uh, cool. always at the ocean. Yeah, yeah. And this is something where also everybody says, okay, this is this is crazy. D yeah. Don't do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And maybe coming also from this background, uh, it's the same for, for lithium iron battery industry. Yeah. So what we think is, it's at the moment the exactly right time yeah. to start business uh, in this area because uh, the market is, is growing very fast. Um, everything is getting very fast. So there's a, a small time window and we think this is exactly now yeah. um, to be part of the market. Um, so this is one thing that drives us and the second one, to be honest, is here in the north of Germany. We have, like, everything's full of these windmills. Yeah. And these windmills, of course, if the wind is, is blowing a lot, are spinning, which is very nice. So yeah. there's a, a lot of renewable energy. But if the wind is blowing the whole day, in the middle of the day, everything stops. And you drive through the landscape, and you think, "Why all these windmills are are just just standing still? It, it yeah. doesn't make sense." Yeah. And then you ask yourself, "Okay, why is it so?" And you go to the internet, you go to Google or whatever, and you you check, and uh, there you can see that um, everything is switched off because of the smart or of the grid. Yeah. Uh, because it's it's not able to to use this energy 
And it's not uh, the second thing is that it's not the grid is uh, instable and you can bring all the energy from the north to the south uh, of Germany where it's normally needed. Yeah. So one big thing for us is to to store this energy somehow okay. uh, on the one hand and also to stabilize the grid on the on the other hand. Oh wow! And that I mean and, that's that's a huge. You're talking. Gig, gigas and gigas and gigas of uh, watts of, of requirements for grid. So in your, just to, because we're, we're going to get onto some of that, but just just to sort of finish off, in your in your plant, so, manuf- you know, manufacturing company, new manufacturing company, which is, I mean, it's so fantastic because a lot of people would be like doing consulting or what have you rather than actually making that big, bold step of putting pr- the process equipment in. Could you tell us a bit more about how much of the process you've you've got inside the business? Um, yeah, so we we also, as you know, or everybody knows in the business, you need a lot of money yeah. to to build up a, a whatever factory. Even a, not a giga factory is, yeah. is taking already a lot of money. So we thought, okay, how how we can have a first step in the market. Yeah, because we were exactly at the same position. So we we were uh, we had a lot of knowledge. We were able to do it. We were able to consult people. Yeah, but we didn't have machines, so we can't produce. Yeah, and so we thought, okay, how to get the first step into the business? And uh, our first step into the business is to to code the electrodes. As you know, the electrodes are the main part of each cell and yeah. all the energy stored is in the electrode. So if you want to have a good performance of your cell, the electrode is the, the key element to have a good cell. Yeah, yeah. And coming from this knowledge and this idea, we started um, to produce electrodes. And this is exactly where we are right now. Okay. So what we can offer to, to our customers is uh, electrodes in different ways. We can uh, have a continuous coding, which you need for uh, pouch cell design, for example. Mm. But we can also do an intermittent coding, uh, which is very important for prismatic or for cylindrical cells. Right. Okay. And, and then um, where do you do the, the rest of the cell uh, assembly inside your business at some point or do you do that now or, or will you always just make the electrode and then send it to someone else for the the final production into the cell yeah the status today is really to reproduce the electrode and we can send it to to partners mm-hmm. and build the exact right cell which means no matter if you want to have a pouch cell or a prismatic cell or a cylindrical cell you can have um, our electrode inside mm. and get the uh, cell dimension and the cell format you want to have, wow. so, which uh, is a very huge step in flexibility, I think. Mm. And um, in the future, of course, we will do somehow or some type of cells. Yeah. Uh, that will be for sure. But nobody in the world can do like cylindrical cells and pouch and prismatic yeah. in the same very good quality. Yeah. Not even the big players can do it. Yeah. Okay. So you will, will you wait 
and then pick one at some point and uh you know depending on what the application is and then you'll go with that yeah there we go with the with our customers together so everything what we are doing um like electrodes but also cells and uh, modules are together with our customers okay so depending on the customer needs we will de develop to to one or uh, two uh, types of of cells okay and and you um you've got some pretty special stuff in terms of actual different types of uh, electrode as well haven't you yeah, exactly. So normally, um, a factory is totally focused on one type of chemistry combination, which yeah. means uh, on the high energy level, you have the typically in Europe, the NMC with the nickel rich um, cathode materials and uh, a silicon graphite combination um, for the anode side. What we can do with our flexible coding line is that we can produce each standard um, electrodes on the anode and on the cathode side, which means we can also do the NCA, we can do also the lithium iron phosphate. And on the anode, we can um, do graphite as well as uh, silicon and, uh, of course, the lithium titanate if you want to have a lot of cycles. So there we are very flexible and we have also customers asking for even more uh, crazy stuff uh, like we have uh, lithium sulfur um, right. combination. We have uh, now uh, a project where we tried to, to coat uh, uh, pure silicon um, uh, stuff uh, okay. so that we have there a... Uh, no graphite anymore in the anode. Yeah. Okay. Uh, which is an interesting topic for the future. Yeah. As well as we have now a, a partner which is um, doing a, a sodium ion. So getting away from the lithium mm. to sodium. As you know, sodium is, is much, much bigger and heavier ion. Yeah. So it will be nothing for automotive. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's interesting for stationary application, for example. Okay. No worries. So now you see the, the circle is closing. As I said in the beginning, we are focused on non-automotive markets. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so we are also checking these topics. And um, on, the, on the process side, um, it, is this a, it's a wet process? Um, so you're doing like kind of mixing and applying you know, that, that sort of way? Yeah, so um, the mixing process on the lab scale um, and pilot scale we can do on, on the typical batch processes that you know from from all the presentations, yeah. um, like mixing in a, in a big planetary mixer and then having a, a yeah. huge batch of, of slurry. Yeah. But we have also a continuous um, mixing process uh, where we oh, wow. work with extruders um, and we think this is a, a very interesting thing in terms of uh, quality also. So we see a better quality in the slurry on the one hand and what we also see is um, we can skip or keep away um, some solvent amount there. Okay. That must be pretty cool. Um 
So that must be pretty interesting. Uh, you're doing really big chemistry uh, in the in the labs, making huge batches of uh, of, of different uh, combinations of materials. Um, do you get to be hands on still with that, or are you taken away with the, more of the running of the business? Um, I, I always try to keep my hands on, okay, yeah. <laughs> because I I I love it so much to see the production, see the machines running. It just makes me happy if I'm there and I know that uh, actually something is produced. Um, yeah. And I, I like it to discuss with my with my engineers on the processes, with my uh, chemistry team on, on new slurry recipes and so on, because this is where I'm coming from. Yeah. Um, but of course, as a CEO of such a big company now, um, the days uh, in the lab and in the uh, production area are getting getting uh, less and less. Yeah, because uh, there's a lot of uh, things on the on the sales and uh, on the marketing and as well as uh, in the financial part of of the game. Yeah, and you get these really annoying people that try and drag you out to do podcasts as well from time to time. Yeah, but but <laughs> such a thing I love. So. <laughs> uh, very good. Uh, it's, it's it's fantastic to see. I, I just wonder what 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 were the major sort of challenges in terms of when you when you guys came up with this plan to set up the plant. What were the what what have been the big challenges that you've had to overcome to get um, to get to where you are now? Well, there there was a lot. So um, the first of all, of course, if you are a startup and you and your co-founder are coming in into a pitch or you want to you want to rent a, um, a production building or whatever um, you're young and uh, the people are are not taking it seriously yeah they are thinking okay these are uh, two crazy guys having a powerpoint whatever Let's uh, let's keep them uh, talking, and and that's it. So yeah. this is is a big problem, um, but we we overcome this, and uh, now uh, people are are taking us much more serious because we have a, a production building, we have a lot of machines in it, and um, this uh, helps a lot uh, to have something physical there. Yeah, pe- people like that where you. Uh... Even if you've got a very clear vision of what you're going to do, I think people don't tend to believe it until they actually see it. Um, so being able to come up and sort of uh, kick it and touch it is very, um, very helpful for people, certainly. Yeah, and um, second thing what was very challenging was, um, so of course we have this um, pandemic, we have this uh, COVID-19 everywhere. Yeah, And as you know, the the best machines for lithium-ion batteries are uh, mainly coming from Asian region. So yeah. we bought a coding line, to be to be honest, from Japan. Okay, yeah. And uh, so this, you have to imagine this. This coding line is coming in. It was um, five very big trucks full of wooden boxes <laughs> yes. with so much stuff in it. So what we did, we we brought it in into our production hall. Um, is what it was a whole mess to open all these wooden boxes. 
because there was uh, wood <laughs> pieces of wood like everywhere. Yeah. And then we brought in uh, these big parts of the coding machine, and um, yeah, we we asked this, uh, the machinery supplier how how can you send us engineers um, yeah. to help us to to bring it on, and they said ah oh, no not <laughs> not now yeah. <laughs> So uh, Europe is not not the best place at the moment to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to get uh, people here uh, traveling to us. And um, therefore, uh, mm. we had to find a solution. And yeah. uh, what we did, we, we did everything, almost everything by our own. You wow. have to imagine we had some, some plans, of course, uh, coming from Japan yeah. with a lot of uh, Japanese uh, signs in it, <laughs> which we <laughs> didn't understand. So that was very challenging. Uh, but in the end, we we managed it, and we had a had a we have a great team here with engineers, which are very uh, focused on the solution, mm. and uh, which is is uh, a lot of fun to work with these guys every day because. We set up now the pilot coder in just uh, six weeks. Wow. So this is uh, really amazing. And how have you found it? Um, you know, one of the challenges I often see people having doing EV stuff, it's a new area and there's, um, you know, it's, it's hard to find people who've done, you know, there can't be many people in your area in northern Germany who've set up a battery manufacturing plant before because they just aren't. But, you know, how have you found it in terms of finding people that have got the right skills? Mm, yeah, it's of, often difficult, but I think you have to open your mind a little bit more. If, Of course, if you just focus on searching people um, that already set up a, a battery plant, of course, there, there's this number of people is so limited. Yeah. But you have a lot of, of other technologies. So... If you have, for example, mixing technologies, um, mixing yeah. a slurry is, can be the same like uh, um, mixing other things, um, like uh, yeah, other pastes and, and uh, other stuff. So, so we are not searching for a slurry battery, battery slurry mixing guy. Yeah. We are searching for a, a mixing guy. Yeah. Yeah. For whatever, so this makes um, us a little bit open-minded and and helps us a lot um, to find the right people. And the second thing is, um, we are here in in Flintbeck, which is very close to Kiel. Okay. And Kiel is a is a very very young city with um, three different uh, universities. Right. And this helps us. So much because um, people uh, are coming here and, and uh, studying, and uh, we can get to know these people and um, get it directly from university, which helps us a lot. Uh, getting yeah. new, open-minded people for for our factory. Oh, fantastic! And and um, so, what sort of um, you know what what are your customers like? What what kind of companies you're dealing with there? You mentioned some of the markets that you're in, but um, I don't know if you could tell us a little bit more about some of your some of your customers. Yeah, sure. So um, our customers um, for the electrode foils are mainly uh, from the US and Europe, okay. and are small 
and mid-sized producers of um, cells as yeah. well. So they have mainly uh, special cells in the portfolio, I would call it. Yeah. And they have a clear vision how an electrode should look like. And this helps us a lot also to, to there um, develop more and more knowledge. Yeah. Um, this is one type of customers. Then we have the, another type of customers, which is more innovative driven, I would call it. So they have, uh, as I said, new chemistries, which they want to um, scale up um, from the laboratory uh, to a mid-size or large-size production. Right. And to have this facility here from us helps them a lot because they don't have to make the same invest as we had yeah. already done. So we are working together hand-in-hand hand and um, we are trying to make the best electrodes for them with our state-of-the-art equipment. Brilliant. which helps them a lot to to show their investors or their uh, shareholders um, that their, their uh, technology is also something um, for the future. Ah, yeah, so that that's a really nice segue into uh, my next question, which was about the future. <laughs> and what you kind of see as being, you know, for you, for you guys in, in your part of the market, what... Do you think the the next kind of big developments are going to be that you you will be involved in? Well, that's that's such a tough question. Sorry, <laughs> because there's so many new technology. As I as I mentioned, you have this uh, sodium ion technology. I like this because it's uh, it can lower the price a lot. Right. And on the disadvantaged size. I'm totally honest, you, it will never be something for the automotive industry because okay. it's too heavy. So this is really just for stationary energy right. uh, storage. Um, then you have this lithium sulfur, which is, I think, very interesting uh, for drones, for example. Okay. Why, why is that? Yeah, you have a very high energy on the gravimetric level. So if you look on, on energy density, um, in the automotive industry, of course, cells are heavy and batteries are heavy, but the main problem in automotive industry is more the volumetric energy density. Okay. So this should be, be lower in automotive. And in, in drones or flying objects, um, the gravimetric energy density is the most important. And therefore, you can have this lithium sulfur, which I think is a nice thing for the future, because yeah. in the drones, you have also smaller cells. And in the fact that something uh, is happening, it, it doesn't have such an impact compared to a the automotive battery where the whole car then uh, has a big big problem yeah okay that's um that's really cool and the um the, the fundamental kind of the, the the sort of chemistry behind those um is it is it like completely it's the same principle basically as a as a automotive cell just with a different chemistry or are there kind of different um operating sort of mechanisms going on there 
Yeah, in the in the it depends a little bit on the application. Okay. So I think automotive will be focused on more or less big cells. Right. So you have these big prismatic cells, you have this cylindrical cells, which are going bigger and bigger. As yeah. you know, from, from Tesla's battery day, even Tesla is, is searching for bigger yeah. uh, cylindrical cells. And the same is it for, for the pouch cell. Um, if you have a look on the pouch cell, which is uh, in Mercedes-Benz or uh, in the Porsche Taycan, um, it's a big pouch cell. Yeah. And um, all these Gigafactory will focus on that and you will have only big cells coming from this Gigafactory. So this is a big problem in all these smaller applications um, like uh, medicine uh, applications where you need smaller cells. Yeah. Um, uh, even if you look on the, on the voltage level, for example, if you have just big cells, the voltage level is you have to increase uh, this number of cells a lot to, to have a big, big voltage level. Then, yeah. And which needs a lot of space and um, so on. So there will be applications. Um, the, the batteries are totally in the wrong dimension. Yeah. Um, and then you will have another topic concerning building batteries. So, in the car, uh, often uh, you have a liquid which is cooling the batteries, yeah. which is, of course, necessary because you have uh, this, uh, if you accelerate, you need a lot of energy. So you have somehow cool uh, down the, the batteries. and um, But there are many, many applications where no liquid cooling is, is possible or it's very difficult. Mm. And therefore, you need totally other types of cells and battery pack design, I think. Okay. Because yeah. if you, for example, lower the internal resistance of, of a cell, you have, of course, less uh, thermical heating. Yeah. And then you can keep away all these factors like, like uh, liquid cooling and so on. So... It's it's come so we are starting in the electrode and try to make the best design in the electrode. Yeah. Then go to the cell, have a look on the cell, and try to find the the best dimensions and the the best way to do it in terms of life cycle and um, internal resistance and so on. Yeah. And then in the end, we look also on the module and battery level to try there to find a, a good solution for the customer. Okay. And I think this combination gives our customer in the end a, a very huge USP yeah. because all these customers somehow are in a market where all the other companies also use batteries. And if you just buy batteries from standard you don't have a USP in your market. Yeah. It's interesting, so, isn't it? Because that, that, there's literally billions of dollars of re research dollars gone into the automotive side. And it's really, you know, the, the lithium battery development has, has come along leaps and bounds in the last 10 years because of that investment in automotive and the production scale and it's driven cost down. But I think a lot of people would assume that 
the 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 batteries that were used in or starting to come into other applications like um like drones or like energy storage would be the same or similar um so it's, it's interesting you know it's a really interesting observation that you make in terms of the some quite big differences on the different batteries and the uh, the design for those different applications so what what if i can ask hopefully you can tell me what's your kind of view of companies like tesla where they are or certainly at the moment using the same cells for grid storage as they are in the in the passenger vehicles what's your your opinion of that yeah to to be honest um so uh, the tesla company uh, as a i think they made so much possible in our business so yeah. this is why i'm so thankful to tesla <laughs> yeah because i think the german automotive industry never woke up um, but tesla showed them how yeah. to build an electric car somehow yeah and i'm saying this as a as a german guy <laughs> you may get a bit of stick for that but yeah <laughs> I, I know totally what you mean really now i think any any doubters that were out there have uh, conveniently forgotten that they ever thought it was a bad idea on the passenger vehicle side so the truck side is different still a lot of people but um, yeah, that, the Tesla effect, it definitely turned a few heads and opened up the market. And I'm sure there's more than one car company where basically their electric vehicle um, strategy started when they got the senior guy in a Tesla and, and showed him what it could be. Exactly. So this is why I'm very thankful to, mm. to Tesla um, to, to help us um, to, to develop our market somehow. Yeah. Um, but um, what I see, um, and there I think Tesla is mo moving uh, not so, not uh, so more or less in the same direction. So as I said, I think um, it's I prefer um, to use different chemistries. Okay. To be honest, yeah. So if you have an uh, automotive industry, you have elect full electric car. Um, of course, energy density is the best best way or, or the highest goal to reach. Yeah. And therefore, you can take another chemistry um, compared to a stationary energy um, storage system. Yeah. But as you know, now Tesla is also moving, I think, in the Model 3 um, to lithium iron phosphate because okay. it's, it's much cheaper. I think it's mainly used in the Chinese market. Yeah. Therefore, they are now also more open-minded and, and also using and trying new chemistries. So yeah. therefore, I think it's, it's going more or less in the same direction. I think in, in the future, I could imagine that the power wall has not the same cells uh, like in, in a high-performance model S. Yeah, and these big because they they've got some pretty massive um, grid battery systems as well in in Australia. They've got some in the US. I'm not sure. I don't know if they've got any in Europe or not. Uh, I'm I'm sure if if they haven't, it's probably just a matter of time. But huge, huge grid. So exactly the kind of application you were talking about with the to to sort of support wind turbines and things like that. So. Yeah, so it's really, um, really interesting. Um, well, so aside from Tesla, then um, a question 
People are always sort of saying, you know, the battery industry is dominated by Asia. And you you kind of alluded to that a little bit at the start because you said, you know, you got your, your production line from Japan. Um, and there's, a, there's maybe a sense, some people think that, you know, it, they were very fast in Japan and um, in China, particularly South Korea, to to start commercializing this uh, you know, lithium batteries and, and that putting scale into the production. Do you think that um, Europe can still hold its own? Do you think we've got something we can still offer? Um, can we be competitive against the big, uh, the big Asian players in that market? Uh, what's your kind of, what's your view on on that? Yeah, totally. So um, uh, on the one hand, um, as you mentioned, uh, you're totally right. So our coding line is coming from Japan, yeah. but uh, cell assembly line, we are talking to a German supplier. Right. So there is some know-how in Europe, um, not, not only German. Um, there is a lot of know-how there. And they also, uh, this company, for example, is, is also selling uh, to Asian cell suppliers. So on the machine supplier level, there is knowledge and there are companies in Europe which yeah. um, can are already state-of-the-art. Yeah. If we then um, have a look on the, on the cell manufacturing level and, and on the big production lines, um, I, I totally think that we can be state-of-the-art and we can be um, exactly same same level like the Asian companies. Okay. I think the the only difference is that, the, and this is, I think, a, a European general problem that in Asia as well as in the US, people are investing more money to things they believe in yeah. and, and they just investing this money only believing that this is a nice story okay. and this helps I think uh, in the US as well as in, in Asia mainly in China um, to build up these um, uh, small and mid-sized companies yeah. because this is a, a lot of money already um, and you just have to believe it in it. Um, if you don't believe it, you don't invest. And then a, a small and mid-sized company will never be there and never be uh, founded. And then it, coming from a mid-sized company, if you have a look on the on the biggest player on the market, the CATL um, from China, as you know. So this company, I think they started with just a, a very, very small plant and then they got more and more contracts and then somehow they get uh, a big contract with Apple, I think. And this was their starting point developing from a, from a mid-sized company to a, a global battery player or, or to this global battery player. Yeah. And um, there just in the beginning, you have to believe in, in the market. You have to believe in, in the guys uh, which are driving this type of company, and then, um, of course, we can we can be um, one of the biggest players in in the market in the future in Europe. 
do, do you think that investment, because, you know, along with it is a lot of investment in research and development and new product. Do you see see new product and, and kind of technology coming out of Asia that you think is impressive or, you, you know, because there's, there's some fantastic innovations in the US and some of the stuff Tesla's been doing, um, you know, it's, it's really uh, is interesting. There's, in the UK, there's some really notable, um, you know, new new technologies coming in, interesting things. But do you see the same thing happening from from the Asian market as well, where there's some real kind of amazing stuff coming? Yeah, so some stunt companies are um, looking very interesting. If you have a look on solid state okay. um, uh, business on the solid state um, cells, um, there is a lot of things going on, but I think it's it's worth right going on because everywhere on the world are, are good institutes, good university, which are having impressive developments. And um, I think the big deal is to to grab this developments from the from the lab scale. I, I'm and and bring it into production. And I think this is the the most important step to to be successful in the market. To yeah. get, grab new innovations, grab new technologies, and really bring it into the product of and sell. Yeah. Um, there you, you will be the first and the successful one in the market. And it, it, it is um, something that's talk, starting to be talked about more and more, because in the past, I think people thought the IP was the kind of exciting bit, and they kind of forgot about the manufacturing. So you'd be like, well, we've invented this amazing new whatever it is, um, but then actually going from lab scale in in a uni environment or an R and D environment to even small scale production is is quite a big is quite a big jump. And it seems like with new technologies like electric motors, like batteries, battery cells, there's a huge amount of process technology that's needed and and process capability. You can't just go out to uh, a contract, you know. Um, a sort of generalist contract assembly company to do these jobs. There's there's so much coming in. Um, do you do you think that will continue? Do you see the the manufacturing processes getting more and more uh, nuanced and and complex, or do you think it might end up going the other way, where it becomes easier and easier as the technology matures to to make some of these things? Um, no, I think I think it will be much more complex concerning the processes, right? Um, because the all these new materials, for for a, a small example, you like these nickel-rich um, NMC cathode materials. In the future, you can have it just laying around on your on your office desk, and, and it doesn't happened to them anything yeah. but with this nickel rich now they are totally um, if there's just a little bit humidity in the room um, they are grabbing it and doing some chemical reactions with the air and with the humidity and uh, therefore the processes are, are getting more and more complex yeah. yeah, as well as if you have a look on on um, new uh, separators, if you have a look on uh, stuff like uh, what we are doing at the moment 
also is a pre-lithiation um, stuff. So if you have a pure silicon anode, for example, yeah. you are losing a lot of capacity during formation process. Okay. And this all this lithium capacity is coming from your cathode. Okay. You somehow have to balance it. And therefore, we are doing a pre-lithiation step um, in our coding process, which is is very um, very challenging um, step during production. So I think in the future, the processes will be much more difficult yeah. if you want to have a top-level top cell in the market. Right. Okay. That's interesting. And then just, just finally, um, to kind of uh, bring it to a close, you know, really exciting time for you and your company. You know, you've, you've, this amazing journey you've been on the last couple of years. Um, what, what's, what do you see, you know, where do you see yourself next year? What's got you excited for the future? Yeah, so um, our plan now is um, more than uh, 6,000 square meters of production hall. Wow. At the moment, we, there's some space left, as I mentioned, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For, the, for cell assembly and um, for for the big uh, coding machines. Yeah. So I hope uh, in the next couple of years, the space is, is completely full, of course. And um, uh, I hope that, uh, of course, uh, all these machines are running running like hell um, to produce electrodes and cells for, for our customers. And um, if you look a little bit more on the long term to the future, I just think um, about having a, a world fully driven by, by electric vehicles, by stationary power storage and a lot energy just coming from renewable energy yeah. sources. Yeah. This is what I, I like to see in, in the future. Yeah, it's a pretty exciting new world coming with, um, I often say the electrification of everything. You know, just, just on this podcast, we've talked about applications that people might not have thought about where you, you're putting medical devices in people's bodies that need batteries, you're putting um, stuff in aircraft, uh, drones that, that needs energy storage, grid, renewables, electric vehicles, hospital, you know, hospital equipment, mobile robots, you know, the whole, um, the kind of this evolution that the better battery technologies are allowing more energy storage, which is then allowing more capable machines, which is then, you know, encouraging the development of more capable batteries, you know, and it just seems at the moment to be a, an amazing cycle where almost every week I see a, a new application of something and it's like, wow, you couldn't have done that, you know, five or six years ago, or maybe if you could have, it would have been just prohibitively expensive. So now uh, the future for electrification in, in all kinds of markets, not just automotive, is is um, is really exciting. And it's great to see you guys um, playing such an important role in it and doing, you know, I, I'm completely in awe of what you are doing in uh, in Germany. It's uh, it's absolutely fantastic to see um, see what you're doing at Universal. So uh, so thank you. Um, so thanks thanks Stefan. Thanks for joining me on the show today. It's been uh, been absolutely fascinating to learn about you and learn about Universal. 
Um, I'll make some show notes, uh, which I'll put down. So there'll be some links there. If you're interested in learning more, I'll link out to Universal and to Stefan, uh, to his profile. Um, and, uh, and, and people can, uh, can, can find more about you uh, that way. So, uh, but yeah, thank you. Thanks very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you very much uh, to be here and uh, to speak to you. It was very nice. Thank you. That's all we've got time for today. I really hope you got some value out of that and enjoyed the show. Don't forget, if you've got a question or you're interested in something to do with electric vehicles, send us uh, that in via the comments or directly. Also, if you're doing something cool like Stefan in the EV world um, and you want to be on an episode of the podcast, uh, do get in touch. Other than that, don't forget to uh, subscribe if you haven't already. Hit like, it really helps us get the show out there. Uh, we've been getting some great reviews recently as well, so please, uh, if you feel motivated to do so, leave a review. Um, and uh, I really look forward to speaking to you again soon.